welcome to another episode of It's Just Pennies. This is the Stock Whisperer. Before you enjoy today's episode, let me just state this. I am not a financial advisor, so if you're looking for financial advice, please seek an investment professional. The episode that you're about to hear is strictly for educational and informational purposes only. Hello, OTCers. Today's episode, we're going to speak about when to look at the dips. And instead of panicking, we're going to talk about embracing when a dip occurs. Not understanding the dips will have you a, an emotional wreck or possibly panic selling at a loss or just not maximizing your gains. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and act like I've never panicked sold, causing a loss or just created very minimum gains because the truth be told, I have, especially earlier on when I first started. If I'm able to help people reduce the chances of making that same mistake as I did, then this episode serves its purpose. Ultimately, the goal is to be able to recognize when a dip is occurring and be able to make a comfortable decision on whether or not I should be buying the dip or should I be worried about the dip? You know, there's a lot of times I see people just buy a dip because the dip occurred and not know why um, the dip is happening and it continues to fall and then they just sell out and create even a bigger loss. Nine times out of 10, you'll find yourself considering the dips. Just being honest, I mean, there's no stat or anything saying that. I'm just really just basing that off me. Because when you when you find yourself buying again at a dip, most of the time it's because the entry point you got in at wasn't ideal. Ideally, you want to buy at the bottom and let the story just grow. But I know we're all human. We all have emotional habits. And some people just have that fear of missing out what they call FOMO. So people take that risk of buying high only to find themselves red because they chase the stock entirely too high. And the stock can be a good quality stock. It's just done moving for that day. And now you're sitting and you're waiting for the next pop, which really may not have been ideal. But we know based on life experiences, what ideal and what's real life doesn't always line up. So first, let me tell you when I won't add on a dip. Again, this is my personal process and my personal thoughts. This isn't in a way like something you should feel feel forced to follow. You know, I'm not saying what I'm saying is gold. I'm saying based on my process and when I come to be able to trade at a certain level of mental peace, this is my current state and how I feel about it. It's not intended to provide any financial advice, but just allows you to get a human perspective as you figure out what works for you. So for me personally, I normally do not add dips when there is a large reverse split. I did an episode on what reverse splits are. When it's a large reverse split, especially if they increase the authorized shares to a massive amount, Typically, if I'm up, I'm getting out, or if I'm down, I just I just cut my losses. Some companies have a history of doing large reverse splits, then diluting, and then doing another large reverse split when they're allowed to. That's how some companies run their business, so that's something you definitely want to keep in mind. When I see that trend or I see a large reverse split, I am 99.9% of the time never going to add on the dip. I'm also not adding while a company has a tons of notes and they're diluting a lot, right? 
when these notes are being cashed in, I'm not going to add during that process during I'm, I'm going to wait till the notes finish. I'm not going to try to guess when uh, they're done diluting. Typically you can look at the finances of when they can dilute in the filings, or you can really see based on how it's trading the authorized unrestricted increasing, and then do some mental math as well. Along with that, I try not to add dips when the catalyst has changed on why I first entered the stock and I don't like it, right? I can enter a stock because the catalyst was a merger was about to take place. And then maybe the merger's called off and the stock just plummets, right? I'm not going to add the dip because for me, if the merger doesn't take place, I'm not sure what's next, right? So I might not immediately panic sell because Maybe the company wants to go in a different direction, but I'm not just going to add instantly on the dip and then, you know, keep adding because maybe the CEO proved to be greedy. Maybe the financials wasn't in order or just the deal wasn't like. A ticket that comes to mind is STHC. With STHC, I think a lot of people made a lot of money on that last year. And even heck this year, I think it went to like 17 to 20 cents. But recently, that ticker plummeted tremendously when the company they were going to merge with, it looks like a, a press release was announced that the merger doesn't look like it's going to go through. So imagine being in a stock that went from 15 cent to double zero five zero, because that's what happened in the end or right now. There's still some unknowns with it. However, people could have been buying dips at 10 cent and then 5 cent and then 006 and now they're buying at 005 and hope that something else may come out of it. So that's something definitely keep in mind. I know for me, when the catalyst has changed and I don't like or I don't know what the next catalyst is going to be, I'm not just going to add dip because I'm down. I'm not going to always just sell at a loss. I may just hold what I have and just accept the fact that it is now has become a longer hold. And then the other reason why I won't add dips is the story just isn't developing. And maybe I just feel like the CEO has dropped the ball. It happens, right? Company may have had high hopes and high plans and just poorly executed. And now it's like many people are getting out, right? Because they didn't plan on holding it that long or maybe they feel let down or the word scam always gets thrown around in the penny stock world, right? And it doesn't necessarily mean the company was a scam. It just means, in my opinion, the company dropped the ball. So if I ever feel like they dropped the ball and I'm now not a believer of the CEO or how the company is being ran, I'm not just going to add on the dip. So those are some reasons why I don't add on the dip. Hopefully this list isn't all inclusive. This is just some of the things that come to mind for me and my process on helping me determine when to add versus when not to add on the dip. So now that we have that out of the way, what I want to now discuss is the times I look at the dip and I actually embrace it and I welcome it with open arms because I have a high, I guess you can say tolerance or just I'm very comfortable knowing that it's going to go back up. So when I feel like a stock is dipping because of impatient sellers, a stock that comes to mind is SOAN. Last year, it had significant movement on some very, very appealing news, and then it plummeted. And people sold, sold, sold. I added, 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 and then it took off. That's one where I felt like the catalyst didn't change. The fundamentals were still intact, but 
some people just didn't want to hold a long, much longer time because that was what was in line. So when I feel like sellers are selling just because they're impatient, I will add on a dip versus joining a club and panic selling and causing a bigger dip, especially when I feel like it's going to bounce back. Another reason why I'll add on a dip is maybe the catalyst is it has changed. Previously, I said the catalyst changed and I didn't like the and I didn't know or I didn't like the next catalyst or or why it didn't work out. But there are times where the catalyst has changed and it makes sense why it changed. For some, they get out of it because the catalyst has changed and they're not about to wait around and figure out what's the next catalyst. There has been times where the catalyst changed and then I actually like what was coming up next and I doubled down or tripled down. A stock that comes to mind is MNVN. Uh, that was a SS Monopoly custodianship play where SS Monopoly was trying to get custodianship of that. The CEO actually won the case and was able to still remain the CEO of the company and pretty much run the company as he wanted. As I did more and more research, I was able to see that the CEO does have some plans for the company. And what I did was I actually tried to find the bottom. So when it when a lot of people panicked, sold or was upset that SS Monopoly didn't get it, when it got near the bottom of where I was able to determine the bottom, I actually tripled down on my initial investment and bought even more. Well, it actually paid off because shortly after the CEO put out an update, um, they're working on some things and, and I like the share structure and it went back up. So that's one where the catalyst changed. I actually like, I guess you can say the second catalyst of why I'm even watching the stock and it moved. Maybe I grabbed a position too early in the custodian process and and now that they're going from maybe step two of the custodianship process to step three. And some people just don't like to wait around through each of those steps because there's never a set timetable of when the next step will be completed. So with GMZP, I grabbed the position probably later in step two that I normally would like. And it took a dip. I like the share structure. I definitely like how it's trading. And so instead of selling or being upset that I was red, I actually would average down is what they say is the technical term and bought even more. And as they put more and more updates, it started to move. And now I'm, I'm green and I'm still holding. Again, that's another one. That's a SS monopoly. Play. Maybe I grabbed a position early, too early in the reinstatement process. I actually did that with ALKN. I grabbed it probably thinking it was going to run that day. However, with the share structure and the information, knowing that it was a re reinstatement, I held and it did. People got out because it, they thought it was going to be a, a one day runner. And and I actually continue to buy and buy. And I'm still buying on the dips because it's one where I feel that more as more information come out it's going to reverse tremendously and depending on on if the merger or acquisition is solid it could be a massive runner especially with that share structure another one is when it's obvious there's fake walls or they're manipulating the price so last year or actually earlier this year tsnp there were certain groups that would pull up put up these massive walls, right? They would make it put up like 10, 20 million on the ask for whatever reason. Maybe they were shortening the stock. Maybe they just wanted more shares. I don't know. 
And when you saw, when people saw these massive walls, the first thing they thought was, and I would see people post, companies diluting, I'm getting out. And the stock would start taking a dip. And so what I would do is I would go back and check the catalyst, right? I'm looking at the share structure and at the fundamentals and everything seemed intact. I'm calling the wall, the fake wall bluff, and I continue to add shares. What you would notice with these fake walls is a lot of times if they start getting hit and people start buying shares from that wall, they immediately get taken down because people don't want to lose their shares and the price takes off. A stock that comes to mind is TSNP. There were countless times when TSNP would have fake walls and then the stock would come down and for whatever reason, people were panic selling because of these fake walls and then it takes off, right? TSP is one that went from triple zero one to a dollar and 98 cent. There were a lot of times where fake walls were presented. Maybe you had these groups that are known for manipulating a stock, trying to manipulate TSNP. At the time it was TSNP and it backfired. Right. Unfortunately, some people actually actually panic sold and suffered losses or they didn't suffer or they didn't get as much gains as they should have. You know, hindsight is always 2020 because you can go back and look and say, you know, TSNP ran to a dollar ninety eight cents. So if you were able to get in low and sell in a dollar, you had a, a nice come up. And then the last one of when I like to look at a dip. And, in, and I'm embracing the dip is when I plan on accumulating shares. One that comes to mind is Wogi, W-O-G-I. It's one where I saw it, you know, it's one I mentioned probably near the trips. If not trips, it was 0010. I bought and it, then it had this plateau where it went from like up to, I believe, believe at 1.8 cent. And then it would come down to 4 cent then 3 cent then back to 5. And so knowing that I expected to go way higher, I continue to add more and more on those dips. I continue to accumulate those shares and it's paying off. You know, just recently on July 15th, they put out news that they're going to start pretty much rolling out press releases and giving up. They starting the following week, which would be around July 22nd, July 21st around that time frame and the stock took off like so those those buys at three cent four cent along with my subs double zeros buys are all paying off significantly and any and i actually shared this information on a telegram i shared it on twitter that hey dips can be gifts dips are gifts if the catalyst and the fundamentals do not change and it's just the battle of and testing your patience. There's nothing wrong with dips because um, at the end of the day, they, they're gifts. That's what I say. And probably most of the time when I do say that, it's because I'm embracing the dip and I think it's going to bounce back much higher. And I know I said that was the last one, but another one that comes to mind is just one recently. LC, I believe it's LCLP. It actually ran about two, almost 2,000% on July 14th. Now it's one that went up early in the morning about 300% and then came back down about 100% to, to around 100%. So that was a, a pop and then it was a small dip. So that was one where in some people's eyes, 
I'm chasing if I buy it since it's up 100%. In my eyes, I'm looking at it as it was at 300%. It came down 100%. The news that was released is massive. The share structure is very appealing to me. And I think it's going to go much higher. And guess what happened? It went from 300% back down to 100% and then went up 1900%. At one point when I saw it, it was over 2000% for the day. I forget what it ended with, but that's one where I saw a dip. I liked the news. I understood that people were, it dipped because people were taking profits, right? There's some people who already had been anticipating that news. They were taking profits. And then there were some that was treating as a day trade. They were taking profits. But that dip was a gift to me because it was an opportunity not to buy in at three and four hundred percent, but instead get in at a hundred percent and be plus nineteen hundred percent in less than eight hours. That's a win. So I hope you can see why why learning how to embrace the dips can play a major key in success with you maximizing your gains. There's going to be manipulation in the stock. There's going to be opportunities where maybe company didn't cross their I's and dot their T's in the filings and it got delayed. And people are going to sell, especially in the OTC world. People have zero tolerance for any delays and things of that order. So if you're able to just be patient at times, embrace those dips, you can, it can turn out very lucrative, you know, at the end of the day, you got to do what you're comfortable with. But dips can be gifts, as I said earlier, and I will say on the Telegram. That's just as, as a reminder. Doesn't always mean when something dip, it doesn't always mean you should panic. You should start second guessing yourself. Stay true to your process. Stay true to your, your due diligence, your research that you have done. It matters. You, you have to be able to trust yourself. And you can't worry about the next person or how they're trading, right? So... If you trust yourself and you trust your decision making, typically you're going to come out on top. It's when you start second guessing yourself is when you mess up. And I know because every time I second guess myself, majority of those times, the outcome wasn't what I expected and I shortchanged myself. So make sure you're trusting yourself on your research, your due diligence. And if you see a dip and it's appealing to you, take it, you know, and just have patience. The best best, best gains a lot of times come after a dip. So that's just something to keep in mind. Warren Buffett once said, you know, the biggest transfer of wealth is the impatient to the patient. So that's something to keep in mind. And most people I know who have been successful in investing in stocks, they have a extra level of patience that's just, that's that can't be copied, right? It's just something that you know, you, you just got to continually to grow from that and develop yourself. That's not something you can just wake up one day and say, I'm patient. And the market, if it's if you're not going to be patient, the market would definitely humble you and force you to be patient or your blood pressure and any other health issues you're going to have might arise. So it's something to keep in mind as well. Before I conclude today's episode, I do want to state that I just want to apologize. I know Typically, I respond to the questions quickly and more timely, but with the date, actually, when this comes out, my son, God willing, will be here and born and will be back at home that I haven't been able to answer the questions as quickly as I normally do. So what I'm going to do is actually spend some time reading probably three to five of the emails 
uh, from top to bottom and just answering the questions and creating an episode from that. And I just want to apologize for anyone who sent me questions and for the fact that I didn't answer them in a, in a timely manner. So uh, sorry for that. Before I conclude today's episode, I do want to go ahead and move to the next episode, which is the ticker of the day. This ticker has about 2.2, maybe 2.3 billion shares available right now for trading. Now, the company is not current. They are working on their filings, as they, as they said in their previous press releases. I believe if the company was current, this probably this stock would be worth a couple of pennies right now. That's probably the main reason why the price hasn't truly held and reflect the company's uh, actual value. The past few weeks, the companies have announced deals with big Fortune 500 companies. One that comes to mind is Tesla. They're in uh, the training business, I believe, as far as you know, creating training format for companies. The owner of the company has millions of dollars invested in this company, and I'm not sure what CEO would have several millions of dollars invested in the company and not want it to be successful. So knowing that he has so much of his own personal money invested in the company, I, I'm definitely taking a chance with this stock ticker. They have hinted uh, based on news that they have more deals that they're going to slowly roll out as they work on getting their filings. I if I was a betting man, I would probably say they're going to meet the September deadline of being current and having all their filings up to date. This stock ticker that I like is PBYA. PBYA. Now, when I give these stock tickers, as I say in all the other episodes, it's not to convince you to buy the ticker. It's really to convince you, or it's not even to convince you to do anything. It's more to help you understand the the thought process of what I look for, you know, so you know what to look for, what characteristics to look for when identifying quality penny stocks, especially in the OTC world. This concludes today's episode. As always, if you can, please rate, write a review if the platform you are listening to allows you to do so. Along with that, if any of these episodes you find helpful, if any of the interviews you find encouraging or motivational, please share that with the next person. Ideally, I would like the podcast to continue to grow as it is and grow, continue to grow organically. If you have any questions or topic requests or even would like to be a guest on the podcast, please email me at pennystockwhisperer at gmail.com. Again, that's pennystockwhisperer at gmail.com. Other than that, have a good day and see you later.